0: Last week, I uh, followed up with what I felt like was just a really, really, really incredible heart, just, com- just great conviction. Noel really shared with us a couple of weeks ago just the tensions that are happening in our culture right now. It, it, was, it was focused on black-white, but it's bigger than black-white within our culture, and so I just, I just thought, you know, maybe having heard that message and some of us didn't get to hear that message, but I think most of us know that we right now in American culture, we really live at a, at a polarized time and, and people are just, they get so, so torn asunder. And, and I mean, I love passion and I love to be passionate about the things that I'm passionate about, but if I'm doing that and pushing you away, uh, that not really good. So I feel like we just have all these sorts of tensions going on right now in our culture. So what I wanted to bring to our community was there's things that you and I can do as people living in this culture. We're not not supposed to escape this culture. There's not going to be a big pod that shows up and we all jump in that pod and go someplace else. You know, we're going to be here and we're supposed to be salt, bring a, a flavoring to our culture. And we're supposed to be light. We're supposed to illuminate uh, to our culture. Hey, there is a way that we can get along without being so angry with each other. And then sometimes that anger grows to violence. And so I've just, I just wanted to take three Sundays and just say the, these are three steps <clears throat> excuse me, that you and I can take toward reconciliation. Because I believe that Jesus has given to the church, not just our church, but his church. On the, he's given to that church the ministry of reconciliation. And if we are not reconcilers, <clears throat> there's nobody else on the planet that does that. <clears throat> the truest peacemaker is Jesus. The reconcilers, Jesus. So, it's the people that are following Jesus that become the reconcilers. This will go away. This will not stay around. So, my slide from the week that just kind of introduces where I'd like us to go comes from the Archbishop of Canterbury. We must seek a radical new way of being the church. In a day of, like, extremism, I mean, the church has to, in a sense, answer extremism with extremism, radicalism with radicalism. We've got to get radical, but about, the good, about good things, not destructive things. And so what the, the archbishop is saying that what we need to get radical about, George, thank you very much, is we need to be loving those we disagree with. Notice he doesn't say... Stop disagreeing, because that's impossible. He says, as you disagree with people, start loving those that you disagree with. A potential gift to a world of bitter conflict. You know, Jesus didn't let us off the hook. Jesus said, I want you to love God. I want you to love one another. I want you to love those that are not within the church. Matter of fact, I want you to love your enemies. That's incredible. That's an incredible ethic. And I know that we have to encourage each other to not let go of that. That's because that's hard to do. So I would would just, what I want to throw into the mix is loving one another. Loving those that disagree with you. that there, There's some reconciliation. That I'm, I'm going to be reconciled to you even though we don't agree on everything. I'm still going to maintain this heart attitude towards you of respect. And I can still love you even though we disagree. So these three steps are the steps that I would like us to take. And as we take steps in reconciliation, I believe that we can invite others to take those steps with us. And I would really strongly appeal that if you say yes to these steps, yes, I want to take these, I think we really need to go out and invite others to do the same thing. So last week we just talked about listening. The measure you use will be measured to you. When I read that in Mark in my backyard, I I just delight when I thought, oh my goodness, what Jesus He's talking about, the measure that you listen to others will be the measure that they listen to you. You may go back in Mark 4 and check me out. So if I'm not willing to listen to you, even though I disagree with you, you will not listen to me. Which is then if you if you put that in, hey, we're supposed to be people and now we have this message to announce. But if we're not going to listen to the people that don't embrace our message, they're not going to listen to us. That's what Jesus says. So we have to be people that listen. And then, again, being culturally relevant. It's not helpful right now with the tension between black and white for white people to say, all lives matter. Because what that is saying to the black community is we're not willing to listen. The measure you use will be measured to you. I'm not black. And therefore, I, that, the black story in America is not my story. But I need to be willing to listen. And it's not, it doesn't mean that other lives don't matter. It, other lives do matter. And truthfully, I think if I had a black friend and we could talk and I was really willing to listen, I really believe that out of that conversation, that person would say, all lives do matter. But until I'm really willing to listen, that's what we got to do. That's, that, that's where we are today. Then you could, you could take it from there, if you would like. Today, I want to go back to the cross, because as I shared with you, reconciliation is found in the cross of Jesus, but on one side is the healing of our wounds. If my wounds are not healed, it is very difficult for me to extend forgiveness. The context for that statement was was our visit to Rwanda. And those in Rwanda that are their 20-somethings now, approaching 30s, that had horrible wounds... I mean, they—they they were in hell. That's the way I would say. When that, when the genocide was happening, in Rome, they were in hell. And when we were there, 50, twenty years after the genocide, is, that, I, is my math right there? There were people. They still could not tell their story because the wound was so deep. It was so traumatic. And so people would come along and say, well, do you forgive? And they said, no. Well, then they said, well, if you don't forgive, God won't forgive you. And so this one wonderful Rwandan leader said, you know, that's not fair. Because the reality is until that wound is healed, you can't extend that forgiveness. So be patient. In the cross is found the healing of our wounds. Again, I would say with the American black, there is a wound in the psyche of the American black. Folks, you and I don't have a history of being treated as chattel. We don't have a history where people said we didn't have a soul. We were beasts. We were animals. We weren't people. We don't have that history. So we, if we, you know, we might, well, they just should forgive us. Well, okay. Yeah, we should get to forgiveness, but you can't get to forgiveness without healing. Ladies, from what I've heard, most women have been the objects of some sort of abuse in one form or the other. Again, I can't say, well, forgive those guys if the healing hadn't happened. So healing of our wounds precedes the forgiveness of the sins of others. So the step that I want us to take today is about healing. You know, really going into places maybe we don't want to go into, but if we don't go into those places and invite the power of the cross to come and bring healing, then we can't, we can't move over to forgiveness, then therefore we can't ever be reconcilers. If I'm understanding how it works. So I want to invite you to Capernaum, because that's where healing on the planet started. Capernaum is on the northern side of the Sea of Galilee. It was the hometown of Simon, other than known as Peter. There's Peter with the keys over. That's the Sea of Galilee behind him. And uh, Simon's mother-in-law lived in Capernaum. This is her house. It's under... If you, if you visit the Holy Land, all these places are under. <laughs> so the altar of the church above looks down in Peter's house, but you can see it from below. And Jesus' ministry, uh, he was really active in the synagogue in Capernaum. And the synagogue in Capernaum, the structure that's there is not the exact structure that was there with Jesus, but it's on the same plot of land. It's a big synagogue. And what, what, all, what all that leads to is that Capernaum at the time of Jesus was really a very, very wealthy city. The city was very ornate, and it's because it was right by one of the major trade routes that came down through Israel. When Levi, the tax collector, is called by Jesus, he's sitting out, he's collecting road tax, and he was a really wealthy man because of all the travel. And Jesus comes into this community, and he says, the kingdom has come. So whenever you look at the ministry of Jesus, what I would like for us always to... You've, always, you've got to center on the beginning message. His beginning message was, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Near enough that you can enter it. Because I'm going to invite you to enter it. Repent, which means change the way that you think about the kingdom and believe in the good news. So that was that's, that's the primary message of Jesus right there. So if you take that, then you, then you just step with him into what he was doing in Capernaum. And he is so busy healing because the kingdom has come. So when the kingdom arrives, healing begins to happen. So there's this man with an unclean spirit at the synagogue. The synagogue. A guy with a demon at the synagogue. (laughs) And Jesus deals with that demon and brings healing, spiritual healing, freedom. A bondage is broken. A man is set free by Jesus in the synagogue. That's how he begins his ministry of healing in Capernaum. Then Simon's mother-in-law had a fever. He went... You know, after synagogue meeting, went over and raised her up. Greg grabbed her hand. Fever left. She fixed them a meal. Off they went. Then you have this summary statement. That evening, at sunset, they, the city, people in Capernaum, they brought to him all who were sick and possessed with demons, and the whole city of Capernaum, which wasn't that big. I mean, it's not, it's not like Houston. It's a smaller community, but it would probably be a 1,000 people. So you have this whole city gathered around the door of Simon Peter's home, his mother-in-law's home. And Jesus cured many who were sick with various diseases, cast out many demons. He would not allow those demons to speak because they knew him. He didn't want demons to be a witness for him. Then the paralytic, remember the story of the paralytic that was lowered down through the roof? That happens in Capernaum. Then there's another man with a withered hand at the synagogue. Jesus healed him. And then again you have the summary statement. Jesus departed with his disciples to the sea. A great multitude from Galilee followed him. Hearing all that he was doing, they came to him in great numbers from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, beyond the Jordan, the region beyond Tyre and Sidon, He told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd so that they would not crush him. Have a boat ready so I can step into the boat and get away from people because people are just crashing in. And I'm going to either have to get in the water to get away from that crowd or if you could have a boat, that would be better. And I could just keep on doing what I do. And what did he do? He cured many So all who had diseases pressed upon him to touch him. Whenever the unclean spirit saw him, they fell down before him, shouted, You're the Son of God! But he sternly ordered them not to make him known. Don't be a witness for me. So Jesus, when the kingdom comes and he's announcing the rule of God is returning the earth, he really begins to bring healing to people that are physically sick. People that are emotionally distressed and people that are under bondage from demons. That's what he's doing. And why I gave you that little quick review is so much of this has happened at the synagogue or right across the street from the synagogue so that this guy, Jairus, who's one of the leaders of the synagogue, has seen enough to come to Jesus when he needs help. So I'd like you to just remember Jesus is bringing reconciliation to the earth. He wants people to be reconciled with God. He wants people to be reconciled with one another. He wants people to be recognized with life. And he wants to deal with the issues that people are struggling with. Sickness, bondage or some of those issues. So surely he, he has borne our infirmities. He's carried our diseases yet... We accounted him as stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole. By his bruises we are healed. We were like sheep gone astray. We've all turned our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So that at the cross, Jesus is bringing healing for our wounds and forgiveness of our sins. Let me flesh it out with two people. Jairus, the synagogue leader, and a woman on the street. One of the leaders of the synagogue, named Jairus, came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come, Lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And so Jesus said, okay. And he went. And as he's walking through the streets of Capernaum, there was a large crowd following, pressing in on him. And there was a woman in that crowd. And she'd been suffering with internal bleeding, menstrual bleeding, for 12 years. She'd endured much under many physicians. They they tried to help her. They never found a way to stop the bleeding. She spent all that she had. She was no better, but rather she grew worse. And she had heard about Jesus. And she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she was thinking... If I but touch his clothes, if I, if I could just get to the hem of his garment, I'll be made well. Well, when she touched his garment, immediately her bleeding stopped. She felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched me? Who touched my clothes? And his disciples, still not getting it, said, What do you, what do you mean? Look at the crowd. Look at the crowd. Of course somebody touched you. We're in a crowd. He said, No, 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 no. No, somebody touched me because <laughs> I really wanted a gift of healing. I felt it. Incredible. But the dynamic of that is incredible. He looked all around to see who had done it, and the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling. This is an awesome moment. She fell down before him, told him the whole truth, and he said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. You're healed. Go in peace. Be healed of your disease. And while he was still speaking, some people came from Jairus' house to say, Your daughter's dead. Dads, not something you want to hear, right? Your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher anymore? And overhearing what they said, Jesus said to Cyrus, the leader of the synagogue, Stop. I I see that look of horror on your face. Stop. Do not fear. This is a time for you not to fear. This is a time for you to believe. Believe in me. I'm standing right here. I'm right here with you. I haven't left you. Believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John. The brothers of brother of James, and when they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he said he saw a commotion, people weeping, wailing loudly. He entered the house and said to them, "Why, why do you make a commotion and weep? This child is not dead. This child is sleeping." They laughed at him. You fool! And he put them outside we'll see about that y'all leave and he took the father's they took the child's father and the mother and those who were with him Peter James and John and they went in with it where the child was and he took her by the hand and he said to her Talitha kum which means little girl get up immediately the girl got up began to walk about she was 12 years of age And at this, they were overcome with amazement. Peter, James, and John, mom and dad. And then he ordered them that no one should should know this. He told them to give her something to eat. Who does Jesus heal? Here's a father begging for the life of his 12-year-old daughter. I would suggest to you that he healed the trauma that was in that dad's heart a lady on the street with a 12 year long chronic illness he healed her he healed a 12 year old daughter whatever it was that snuffed out her life he healed that and raised her from death one was a synagogue leader, a religious person. The other, this, this lady that was bleeding, she would not have been able to attend synagogue because she was unclean. If you're, if you're spilling blood, you don't get to go into the synagogue nor into the temple. So she's an outcast, but he healed her. One's rich. The synagogue leader was rich. She was poor. She, did, she was living in poverty. Both are des- they're desperate people. One of them touched Jesus. The other one was touched by Jesus. And both of them were invited to overcome fear by placing their faith in Jesus. Now, I'm sure there's other observations that we could make, but what I want to bring to us is that we, as people who want to be Part of the solution in our culture? I mean, we can just agree to that, right? We don't want to be a problem in our culture, right? We want to be part of the solution, yes? And so we want to be people that go down this pathway towards reconciliation. We want to become people that really listen, listen deeply to others. Even if we disagree, we're not really being invited to agree or we just need to listen. And we need to be people that experience the healing power of Jesus. And then we'll talk next week about forgiving sins. The testimony of the writer in, in Isaiah is we are healed. By his bruises, by his stripes, we are healed. So I come to us today, but I, I believe some of us... Today, we we need to receive healing. Some of us have physical ailments. We need to invite healing to come. Some of us have broken hearts. We need to invite healing to come. Some of us need to dispense healing. Just to be you, we don't have it to give, but we, we can stand in the place of Jesus and we can be compassionate and, and let his power work through us to bring healing. Because as, if, if we as a community can begin to experience the healing of our wounds, then again, that just adds to this momentum that we can be people that reconcile others to God, to each other, and to the brokenness that comes through life. Now, I've noticed in our community life, we kind of ebb and flow with praying for one another, especially when it comes to healing. And I think part of that is we want to see what what happened to Jesus. We want to see, bam! Bam! We, we don't get to see that much. As I've, as I've learned to pray for the sick, I was in a gathering like this in a home, and a good friend of ours, Pauline, sitting where Susan is, began to have a seizure. And we'd seen Pauline have seizures in her home. And so we were a small enough group that Pauline's having a seizure and she falls over backwards. Well, you're going to go put your hands on her and pick her back up. So I'm picking her up. Another man who's an elder picking her up. And we're praying a prayer like this is our prayer of faith. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Call 911. That's our prayer of faith. That's how we're praying. And in that moment, she's going, Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And above the commotion, finally we think, well, what's going on? And that was the very first time that Pauline had ever started into a seizure, and it stopped. That was the power of Jesus' healing ministry coming through to people that really didn't have a lot of faith that it was going to happen. But it did. I've prayed for a lot of other people since Pauline. And it just seemed like to no avail. But I, I have to believe, have to believe, that every time we pray for each other and we invite the Holy Spirit to bring a gift of healing, something happens. It may not be what I want to happen or what the person being prayed for. But I believe He comes. And I, be, I believe He begins something. Jesus was laughed at when he suggested that he could heal. So maybe we have to just become people that are willing to be laughed at. Maybe what we do seems a bit foolish. But I truly believe that if we will press in and pray and keep praying and not, I mean, again, it's just exercising our faith, which sometimes is hard to do. That healing begins to happen. And I truly believe that if it if it happens here with us, it can happen out there. And I and I know it, gosh, the brokenness of our world, it's really needed, needed, needed. So let me just ask you to take a risk today, okay? Who knows that you know that you know, you just know, just this little quivering is going, oh no. You just know that you need to be prayed for. You need something's broken. Whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's spiritual, something's broken. Something's not quite right in my life this morning, and I want somebody to pray for me. Does anybody like that? <laughs> Ding! All right. All right. So, uh, this is the next step. For those that Can I ask you just, we just want to surround you, so I just want to invite you to come up where we have room. So Angie, if you'll come over there. Susan, if you'll come over there. Kimberly, come this way. Okay, spread out from each other so we can get people around you. Anybody else? I'm going to include myself because my hip is still hurting and I would like some healing for a hip. Please come. you want to come stand up here? Now, again, who, who just has a sense that... Oh, Mike, you're too. Okay. Your hand, okay. That's my finger still doesn't straighten out. again, just who just, again, this little, maybe this little palpitation. Healing happens today because just ordinary people just say, you know, Jesus, I, there's, there's, a, there's a mercy, there's a compassion that's welling up inside of me and I want to go stand beside one of these people and I, I don't know how to do this. I'm not even going to pretend that I know how to do this. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put myself there. But I invite you, would you just do something through me? I believe that Jesus still heals people through the laying on of hands. And he's just using ordinary people like you and me. Because that's how he did it. So if that's you, and you just think, I, 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 want, I want the Holy Spirit to dispense healing through me today. Just go stand by one of these people. Pick, just pick whoever you'd like. Okay, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite them to start praying. The rest of us, this is my encouragement. You can, you can watch, you can get up and go help, or if it's time for you to go, you can go. And that's not, that's, you're not insulting anybody. This is, we're going to end our time just by praying. And some of us, we may pray long. But sometimes it's just great to just watch. I mean, I I think that Jesus invited the disciple. Hey, guys, just watch me do this. No pressure. Just watch. So watch. uh, Participate if you wish. And if it's time to go, it's time to go. So I'm going to just say a quick prayer in general, and then the ministry time will begin. Okay? Jesus, thank you very much that your ministry continues in our lives. And thank you that you... Have this ministry of reconciliation. That you want to give us. And you want to extend through us. To this broken world. And thank you that this morning. I believe that what you want to highlight. In that ministry of reconciliation. Is that you want us to be healed. You want our brokenness. Whether it's physical. Whether it's emotional. Whether it's spiritual. You want to give to us. Gifts of wholeness. Gifts of healing. So that we can testify to our broken world. Yes. We are healed in Jesus' name by what he's provided on the cross. So, Holy Spirit, would you please come? Would you please come and infuse those that are in need with this faith that you indeed heal? And would you empower those that are praying just to, to recognize that, hey, we're just ordinary people. There's no special power about any of us. We're just here to say, Lord, work through us. Holy Spirit, bring a gift of healing to these people that we love. And would you please be magnified, glorified in what we're doing. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So please start to pray, and um, we'll go from there, okay?